0: feels the same way. We've gotten away from using the same passwords again and again and again, or sticky note reminders, or having that notebook that says, passwords I must remember. Plus, 1Password is trusted by millions, including giants like IBM and Slack. With 1Password, my digital life and my family's digital life is not only more secure, but infinitely simpler. Two free weeks at onepassword.com/slash-productive-convo. Again, onepassword.com/slash-productive-convo. Check out One Password. I know you'll fall in love with it, like my whole family has. Again, that's onepassword.com/slash-productive-convo for two free weeks. Check it out today. Have you ever considered the impact your work environment has on your health and your productivity? Enter. Uplift Desk, a revolutionary standing desk designed to transform the way you work. And that's just the beginning of what Uplift Desk has to offer. With an emphasis on ergonomics and customization, Uplift Desk offers a solution that caters to the dynamic needs of modern professionals. Whether you're coding, designing, or podcasting, like I am right now, the flexibility to switch between sitting and standing can significantly enhance your focus and vitality. What makes Uplift Desk stand out is not just their commitment to quality and innovation, but also their dedication to creating a healthier workspace. With options to customize from over 100 desktop materials and a plethora of accessories, Uplift Desk ensures that your work setup is uniquely yours, promoting better posture and movement throughout the day. And here's an offer to get you started on a healthier work journey starting today. Go to upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting for 5% off your order. That's upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting to get 5% off your entire order. Your health, your productivity, your future self will thank you. Again, that's upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting and get 5% off your entire order today. Hi, I am Mike Williams, and I'm about to have a productive conversation with Mike Vardy. There's a better way to be the best. That's what Mike Williams shares in his book, Doing the Done, Productivity Made Simple. But he's not the only one that's involved in this book because it's illustrated for busy people like us. We talk about why he decided to put illustrations in this book. We dive into things like small wins, the power of verbs, reflection and its importance, uh, clarity maps, as well as how to get email out of the way so that you can make the work beats that you wanna have last as short or as long as you want without having to worry about the external pings That are going on in your life. Uh, It's been a while since I've talked to Mike. uh, Back when he co-authored Getting Things Done for Teens. And uh, we'll link to that episode in the show notes as well. But for now, let's get to this latest productive conversation. Yes, another one with Mike Williams. Enjoy. Mike, it's good to talk to you again. It's been a while. It has been a while. So uh, you've got a book that I'm holding in my hands for those that are members of time crafting trust premium. They can see this video. If you want to join time crafting trust premium, there'll be a link in the show notes, how to put that out there. Uh, this book is called doing to done productivity made simple and it's illustrated for busy people like us. So Mike, right out of the gate, why illustrated? This is a, I mean, I know that you've done some illustrated stuff before, back when you, Did was it getting things done for teens, right? There are some illustrations in there. Yes. You've taken it now to non-teens, uh with, with and with your own kind of model. So why did you decide to go illustrate it for this?
1: Yeah, the um the problem one of the problems that I've seen over the years, and the problem I was solving for was the fact that many, many books in the publishing industry are overwritten and as such. And it's because of a publisher constraint. We got to have this book. It's got to be, you know, 300 pages. You got 100 pages worth of content. So stretch it. (laughs) So (laughs) Then they stretch it. And then people write in, oh, they could have said this in 100 pages. So, um, and those books usually have a lot of good wisdom in it. It's just buried in all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. So what I learned from my time at GE and then with the David Allen company, and then five years at Zappos was how can I make this conversation really simple? Also on that journey, I learned the power of art. And also on that journey, I learned that there's a little suffering going on with people when uh, a well intentioned friend or manager gifts them this big, heavy, dense book inside. They got this little gag reflex going on because I don't want to read another dense book. And so my aim was to make it fun, visual, and engaging. And and the other aim is to really focus on the 20% that matters most, the 20% that delivers 80% of the value, and also harness the power of art. So in creating this book, what, what I did is I partnered with an artist, Christine Yan, and I met her actually in Seth Godin's Alt MBA program. Mm-hmm. And we joined up on this project and the pages are written such that there's art, there's simple, straightforward prose, and one plus one equals three. So
0: yeah, it, it's very well put together. And I think to your point about books and the idea of hitting a certain page count uh, and the denseness of a, of a book, when it comes to productivity books, I think that also, uh, plays a factor because there've been a lot of productivity books written. Right. And, uh, you know, even though, and I'll I'll allude to David Allen, because I mean, we both are very familiar with David. I mean, you worked closely with him for a number of years. I mean, getting things done is not a long book, but it's a deep book, right? Yeah. Well, David, David wrote that book
1: with uh, a deep intention, which was, he has a lot of knowledge and, and if something were to happen to him, put it all in that book Mm -hmm. that book is chock full of wisdom so it is a masterpiece um and and it is you know every ounce of wisdom that david has to offer is in that book so if you have the time and energy and resources to go through it again and again you're going to get a lot of great value out of that book
0: so That's going to lend me to the next question. I mean, I'm just as guilty of this, I think, as anybody, but why do we need another productivity book?
1: Yeah. Well, this productivity book is written for early to mid-career professionals and those that lead them, and is designed in, in 2022 for the reader habits of these leaders and emerging leaders, which have grown up on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, where uh, small visual storytelling that has an impact and a wisdom nugget in it is easily digestible. So, I wrote it for the current, um, you know, kind of workforce. And, and it's not just a professional book; it's a it's a personal productivity book as well. And ultimately, you know, I've gifted books to people before, and um, and sometimes they resist them. So, I wanted to design a book that even felt different. You know, it took a lot of inspiration from Austin Kleon's um, Steal Like an Artist book. And right. it's, it's square and it feels good and it's got art. So when you hand it to somebody, it's almost like you're handing them a coffee table kind of book. And, it's, and if nothing else, they'll enjoy the artwork. <laughs> so, so I wanted something that was giftable. So um, this book, in the hands of a mentor, or a friend helping a friend or a boss helping an employee or an employee helping a boss. It's a very approachable book. It's, a, it's the first couple steps on your journey into this conversation. And if it resonates with you, it gives you access to more. And um, so I wanted a book out there, like if there were five books on productivity, if a person wants to walk through this doorway, what they can expect is something simple, visual, and engaging to get them going immediately. So, um, so that's why I honor all the other books that are out sure. there too.
0: Yeah, sure. And I mean, I think that's that's one of the keys, right? Is, um, you know, when it comes to these kind of books, it, it you you have to kind of gear it towards where people are at. You know what I mean? Like you have to kind of say, who is this for? I mean, getting things done, building a second brain, Cal Newport's deep work. Like they all play a role when someone's seeking this. And this is actually an interesting thing because I think the one thing that we see in common that people miss all the time, as far as I'm concerned is one of the key things you bring out right away, which is the verbs. And you really drive this point home in this book, the idea of verbs. Can we get into that? Because I don't think we can stress enough how important verbs are in this whole process.
1: Yes. Um, So what Mike's referring to is if you take the title of the book, Doing to Done, there are doing verbs and there are done verbs. And those two, uh, two elements form phrases that are very, very important. And the premise of this book is you're the superhero of this story. You're the superhero of your life, for sure. So if you put a superhero in a scene and you say action, they're going to be doing something. They're going to be calling somebody. They're going to be scheduling something. They're going to be buying something. So the act of forming a phrase that starts with a doing verb plus the, the phrase that it's associated with is extremely powerful because what you've created for yourself there is kind of like a micro script or a micro instruction. And your brain loves that because it doesn't have to think about it anymore. And the, the one thing that separates doing to done is I just say the minimum viable product for any intention is one very next action. Your brain may want to go to 50, but this beautiful constraint says, just select one, take the action, and you will ping the universe, life, and it will return information over and over again. Action equals information, right? So that's the doing side of it. Mm -hmm. Now, the done side of it, those are verbs that end in ED. You're done. You've finished. That's the finish line. So crafting uh, a done statement like, finalized, resolved, completed, whatever that is, garage cleaned can be the project. And the ED at the end of it helps you establish the done. What's the finish line? And then that frame gives you the opportunity to set up a question, which is, am I done? Yes or no? And if yes, mark that project off as done. And then if no, current reality today what's the one next action that will help you move that thing forward move you towards your done so that's where the the doing statement and the action verb comes into play
0: well and i think the other thing that that drives us home and we i i leapfrogged this a bit but the idea of small wins because i think small what happens because i think what happens and i mean you've again we've been in this space for a long time yes people tend to not break things down into their smallest particles. So they want the big win. They swing. I mean, to use a baseball analogy, they want to hit the home run instead of play small ball and get, you know, hit after hit after hit. You can get just as many runs by through a bunch of singles and some adept base running than a, uh, you know, a, a grand slam. And it's much harder to hit a home run than it is to necessarily make contact with the ball just to get a hit. So, I mean, these small wins matter. And, and I think, what what I like about the connection between the verbs and the small wins is by saying what is the next action, it almost compels you to go for like instead of write book, <laughs> it's yes. write, fi- write two hundred and fifty words or, right. or something along those lines, right? So can we talk about because that's a unique that I would it's not a unique element. It's it, I would say it's a highlight. It's something you illuminate in in yes. in, in this framework is the yeah. idea of small wins. So let's get into that.
1: Yeah, kind of the the short phrase is uh, small wins, big impacts, it's that simple. Mm-hmm. So in the in the small win category, um, you know, one of the things you can notice just as you do your own projects, or you live into your own practices, you know, workout practices, or writing practices or business practices um, is that each of those is fundamentally done in an action. So that is a unit of practice, really. And in the book, I I speak of something, I frame it in something I call a work beat. And I have different size work beats like, uh, you know, what I say, the workhorse work beat is like a 15 minute work beat. I've done so much great work with people in 15 minute sprints, and then change of focus and I'll hold this little thing up, but yep. you know it's in do something and then win. So that's a work beat. Now you can have a micro beat. So anything under you know five minutes or so, something you can just just um, complete in a short cycle, is a micro beat. But the other side and power of a micro beat, or the concept of a micro beat, is if you're feeling a lot of resistance in doing something. If you break it down into a small unit, like if five minutes is too big, make it one minute. If one minute's too big, make it 30 seconds. If 30 seconds is too big, make it 15 seconds. For example, like with meditation or something like that, or you need a moment just to calm down or calm anxiety or something like that. If you have a 15 second practice, that can be life-changing. And I've witnessed that over and over again. Mm-hmm. So once we get the notion of a small win, then we can expand the duration of it to the appropriate size to fit your context. And that can, that's gonna be different depending on uh, the individuals. So the important thing I want people to do though, and want to create the conditions for, is to set them up to have a win. And, and the in-do-win loop that I describe in the book is simply holding an agreement with yourself, keeping it, and experience the win of keeping that agreement with yourself and closing the loop. No matter the duration, we all deserve some wins. What happens many times, and what I observe is people go in and start doing, but they never officially say, I stop. Yep. And they just carry the guilt of not finishing. And you can stop and be incomplete. That's okay. And, the, and that's that's the nature
0: that's everything. of work. You're, you're, the only way you're done your to-do list is when you are done. Like there's yeah. always going to be something to do, right? There's always. And each one of these little
1: cycles is a great teacher. Um, there, there's kind of like an, one of the things I don't write about in the book, but the, what it sits on is this natural infrastructure that we all operate on i call it star so we have things that come through our senses Mm -hmm. so you see something you hear something you feel something you smell something you taste something then that stirs up t thoughts (laughs) stories you can't help it in the book i call that the party in the brain yeah so that's so st part of star is what shows up we cannot change that; that our biology is built for that. The AR part of this operating system, A stands for awareness. Oh, I have a thought, but I am not my thoughts. So now I can bring in tools such as you know action verbs and doing verbs and done verbs and role clarity maps and project clarity maps and to help me get, create we're awareness get the maps
0: here in a minute too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure.
1: around the situation at hand. And then R is the appropriate response. So awareness and response is what we practice. So there's what shows up. And then there's what we practice. And that's our human operating system. And you can run a lot of different kind of wetware widgets on top of that operating system to help you contextually, situationally get where you need to go
0: crash plan is the superhero of cloud-based data protection specifically designed for people like us who live and breathe their digital creations crash plan ensures that every file every idea and every piece of hard work is safely backed up and protected with crash plan professional you get unlimited backup for your computers not servers or cloud apps just pure essential data protection for pc mac and linux this means your business plans designs music and documents are continuously encrypted and updated in their secure cloud without you lifting a finger imagine this your laptop takes a dive during a late night work session with crash plan it's not a disaster it's just a minor hiccup their service runs quietly in the background safeguarding every change you make every 15 minutes. And if the worst happens, your files are just a few clicks away from being restored, with unlimited version retention acting as your personal time machine. For businesses, CrashPlan's multi-tenant capabilities are a game-changer. Buy as many licenses as you need, manage them with ease, and let your team or your IT admin restore data seamlessly, saving precious time and resources. So go to crashplan.com slash timecrafting now to sign up for a free trial and take advantage of one of their limited buy one, get one offers for a productive conversation listeners. That's crashplan.com slash timecrafting. Back up better with CrashPlan. Ever caught yourself marveling at the seamless magic of everyday tech, like how noise cancelling headphones block out the world or the sheer bliss of meeting free Fridays? Now, imagine if there was a way to bring that kind of magic into selling online. Well, guess what? There is. And it's called Shopify. That's shopify.com slash timecrafting. Have you ever looked into fasting and thought, I love the benefits, but I can't go days without eating? Well, that's where Prolon comes in, transforming the fasting experience with a plant-based nutrition program that tricks your cells into thinking they're fasting without actually having to stop eating. So as we're talking about this, I've been thinking a lot about this over the last few years and more so over, I would say recently as we emerge from what could largely be described as a rather big pause or at least a slowdown, um, with the pandemic. Um, and, and the, the star, um, kind of framework that you just mentioned, I think heightens that to a degree or at least supports it. Do you think time can truly be managed do you think, based on that, like based on the idea of what happens and their response, I mean, you know, and Oliver Berkman wrote about the the four thousand weeks, which I'm sure you've probably read.
1: Yeah, um, yeah.
0: And I've been th- as somebody who spends a lot of time thinking on this, you and me both. I wonder if we're managing the wrong thing, like if we get caught managing the wrong thing, or, in conversely, we we've also kind of. Effed up what productivity is too to a degree, and we're like so consumed with. And I mean, when I I'm being general here, consumed with this idea of I need to get as much done as possible, as opposed to the right things, which would likely explain why for some people the concept of getting things done they end up doing that old polishing the runway thing, right? They're doing like the low and they're not getting to those higher levels we're going to get to the life map, the clarity map, the project map that you allude to in here as well. So I guess yeah. like, like time management and productivity, those have evolved, I think. And do, again, my question, do you think time can truly be managed? And if, if so, how, if not, what should we be managing?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And if, if time were part of the equation, it would be the constant. So I don't think there's anything to manage in that, but it. um, But what we bring to a moment, our focus and our intention, I think those are things that can be managed, exercised, cultivated, and they can be cultivated by the different roles we hold in our life. They can be cultivated by the different situations we find ourselves in. And uh, I think that's the key thing. And and going back to the workbeats, the workbeat is just a it's a construct to help you manage uh, a focus for a duration of of time
0: it's because it's understood it's understood yeah. people know what five minutes is people know what 15 minutes is yeah but they're not necessarily sure what they can complete in that time frame
1: right I kind of looked at the workbeats like a widget and pro tools like if you're putting together a song and you've got these all these different layers but there's 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 like an energy there's an intention there's there's you know different times a day you'll have different energy available to you for those beats So you might be playing a low note you might be playing a high note you might be playing a strong drum beat you might be playing a soft drum beat depending on what's available to you in current reality in that moment um, that is what's available for you to muster your focus to muster the intention for the moment and to produce whatever is available to be produced in the moment and in the book, I also talk about two sides of doing, which is doing your planned work and then doing unplanned work. And a key piece of that, a key piece of that, is the art of doing nothing, yeah. And having space between the beats. I think it was Miles Davis says, "The music is the space between the notes." And sometimes in in our work, it's the same. Like you probably have captured some of your best ideas when you're not trying to capture them. Yep. You're out on a walk. You know, and it, it hits the default mode network of your brain. We're starting to link a lot of various things together. Oh, I had this conversation with Mike Vardy. I read this book. I just had this experience. Voila, I think I just found an insight for myself. And then you can package that wisdom into an action and then test it out. And And we just do that over
0: and over again. Yeah, I. you know, when... I think part of the the interesting nuance about productivity, time, all that stuff is that when you're working from a individual perspective, it's very subjective. Once it starts to become bigger organizationally, it becomes very objective, which is why we tend to go quantitative when we're working in a larger group. Ah, let's get to inbox zero. Let's do this. Here's our KP, like all that stuff that's numerical because it can... You can touch it. You can feel it. You under, there's, there's a mutual understanding. Whereas with personal, when you, what you and I or whoever's listening brings or watching, if you're a time crafting trust premium member uh, brings to the table is very subjective, which is what this addresses, you know, what you're talking about addresses, but I want to shift gears and talk. You brought up music as a metaphor a couple of times. How big, are you a big music fan? Do you play? Like, I mean, it'd be interesting. And also the space of doing nothing. Do you fit some music into, like, would that be something you would consider like, hey, this is a role I have. I'm going to make sure I foster that. Like, I I find, like, I use comedy a lot, obviously, right? And story and yeah, music. Is that is that a passion of yours? It's a, it's a passion. I'm not a, I don't
1: play, I don't sing, but it's just understanding songs, lyrics, lyricists musical constructs like Rick Beato. I don't know if you found him on YouTube. Oh
0: yeah, 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 yeah. He, he just, uh, he had a, didn't he have a video recently about a gentleman who was like in his eighties that just passed away that he talked about like, uh, Oh yeah. And, yeah. You, you know, him. I'll find it. We'll link to it in the show notes. Um, and he obviously, I mean, yeah, I've, I've seen his stuff. It's got, he's got like the studio behind him and he's good. To, yeah. 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 I yeah.
1: Know who you're talking. Yeah. About. So he, you know, he D de- for a person, such as myself who's not a musician through his stories and through his interviews I get to see and feel what it must be like to understand that language called music Mm -hmm. as a player as a singer you know I I can kind of get a glimpse into what that must look like that's that's my extent of music um but you know on the artistic side writing um I just started doing improv I'm, uh, part of, yeah part of an improv group so that has taught me you know how to be in the moment and how to have an empty mind and accept what the current reality is
0: yeah so yeah, things have, like that wonderful experience things. with improv plenty i actually actually i got my start yes the the whole rules yes and oh yeah, yes yeah, and, yeah, actually, yeah. so what's interesting is improv is the genesis of sketch which we also performed, which is also the genesis of, of up, right? Cause yeah. improv, you're right. Very much in the moment, very mm-hmm. much. You have to, if you go in with any kind of preconceived notion or idea, you're not improvising. Like you literally need to be, and there's rules. There's, which is, and again, like anytime you look at a framework of any sort, creative, whatever, there's always going to be some form of rules because the rules help you help preserve the integrity of, 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 the form whether it's art whether it's whatever the craft right so for example one of the rules is blocking right so if i was to say to you mike hey what do you think about the isn't it such a like it's a beautiful day outside and you were to say what do you mean it's raining that's blocking like that's (laughs) (laughs) yeah but there's other things like pimping right where it's like mike um, if I know you do a really great Christopher Walken impression, like, Hey, Christopher Walken, how are you? That's totally pimping. You can get yeah. away with that. So you can bend the rules, yes. in improv, but you yes. can only do it once you've understood the fundamentals. Right. So when we talk about this in relation to your book, um, the maps are fascinating to me because they're very, I mean, everyone has their own map, right? And it's not like it's a trip take that you used to get from the auto club where it's like, here's the path you must take, right? It's like, here's a map you get to decide. So we can start with the life map because I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the things you really wanted to drive home in this book was avoiding this idea of what, what can happen in a lot of productivity frameworks or any kind of processes. And it's just because it's it's low-hanging fruit of this idea of, quote, polishing the runway or checking off as many boxes as possible, rather, whether they're inconsequential or not, just so you can say, look, I got a lot of stuff done. With the life map, it seems to me that you're trying to say, hey, listen, there's – don't just stay here. Like, get up there because otherwise what's going on down here won't get you to where you want to go, right?
1: Right. The Yeah, uh, the life map is, is it's an interesting – a tool to use, and I use it with my coaching clients. And it's an interesting tool that serves a purpose in the book as well. And uh, so what Mike is describing is if you were to take a piece of paper and just draw an arc and label it zero to 100, Mm -hmm. and those are the ages. And then you draw a line, a vertical line at your current reality, you know, your current age uh, that represents your current reality. And then there's a past you, a current you, and a future you. And the life map helps sets up, set up the question, how can the current you help the future you become the best you? And that possibility space we call fresh start territory. And, and by drawing that vertical line to the current you, you're also expressing your current reality. It's like you walked into a kitchen, and there's only three ingredients, what are you going to make? Sometimes you'll walk into the kitchen, there'll be 10 ingredients and you'll have more options, but it's always grounded in reality. So this idea of fresh start, and if you look at the book, the color yellow is the energy of the fresh start and it just plays out throughout the rest of the book. Yeah. And and so that is the, the light of possibility that we all have, no matter what just happened in the past moment, you can always have a blank canvas and a fresh start in the next moment. And understanding that and then practicing that over time creates the conditions for possibilities to emerge. It increases your return on luck over time. So that's what the life map is. It's meant to bring you up to a higher level of perspective so you can say, where am I? And it kind of jars people a little bit like, wow, I'm on this journey. Where am I going? Why am I going there? How did I end up here? Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> and, and, then, and there's
0: a simplicity to it, right? It like, is, I mean, and yeah. that's, I think, I think what the, and, and again, the the book subtitle is Productivity Made Simple. Yeah. Um, Not necessarily easy. That's, I think, like, there's there's definitely, we don't want to have that distinction there. But I know that when people, like, and and when people are trying to think about that higher level of thinking, the life. They if there's too much in the way, then it keeps them from that fresh start. It keeps them from thinking it's too late, right? or yeah. well, this is just the way it is, right? Yeah.
1: yeah and and the other thing the life map does is it helps orient you. It's an orient um, it's a tool to help you orient yourself on your journey and sets up the the narrative that you're the hero of your own story. And that's what the book continues to build on to help you, the hero, find some tools that you can put in your leadership toolbox, personally and professional to help you guide, guide you at any stage or phase or transition in life. And so that's what that does.
0: So if we're going to talk about projecting, which is what yeah. that kind of does, let's talk about reflecting because, and I mean, this is not, again, I want to be absolutely clear. The weekly review is a very fantastic element of the getting things done methodology and framework. It's also tends to be the one people (laughs) that fall by the wayside because it feels very onerous, especially the first time you do it. But once you do it regularly, that's not a problem. So let's be clear about that. But I think that a lot of people get so focused on the, and, and on the doing, on the, like, let's go, 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 go. They don't take a moment to reflect, like to pause, reflect. And then you've got in here, review, reflect, reset, which I think is a very critical part that not, it doesn't get into too much and in, in a lot of other frameworks. Yeah. But why was it so important for you to draw particular attention to this piece of reflection, this review piece uh, in, in this book? Because Again, it doesn't get the attention it deserves in everyday life. It doesn't. People are so focused on moving forward. And we're told what's past is past. Don't look at it. But there's, again, nuance there, right? Right.
1: Shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows and they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. So, um, yeah, reflection. I think if you look in all the wisdom, literature, and traditions, reflection is a key moment. Whether you're going to... Your, your place of faith, whether you're just looking at your calendar, it it helps you create perspective at the appropriate horizon, like, what happened last hour What's going to happen the next hour, what happened yesterday was going to happen today, <laughs> and what's going to happen tomorrow. So there's different levels of this, you know, in Western culture, in particular, and in the kind of the overall work beat of life, a weekly reflection helps you gather up what what just happened. And one of the key themes in the book is how can we create a small batch of stuff and reconcile that in small batches versus letting things get too big? So the, the, the review it phase helps do that. And the subtext of the review it phase, which is not explicitly expressed in the book, has been influenced by a lot of wisdom traditions. One in particular comes from the Jesuits. The Jesuits have something called the examine. I think I'm saying that properly, but basically the way the Jesuits moved through the world was they had um, you know, about every four hours they would stop and then they would create a moment where they reflected on what just happened in the past four hours. And then they would say, you know, uh, what am I grateful for? What did I learn? And they use that energy to say, how can I use that in the next four hours for the highest purpose of what they were serving? So so that that was pretty ingenious. It just it's just a nice little algorithm for reflection. Now, in doing to done the reflection, the purpose of the reflection is to to look back primarily at your calendar and your project list, just make sure you're not missing anything, and every project has the next action. And then it asks two things on the reflection piece, which is, what am I grateful for? Three small things. What did I learn? Three small things. And that positions you to respond, you reset, and create your new, fresh start. And now you start incrementally putting in the five-minute work beat that was that little intention that you've been carrying around for years. You just haven't found space for it. I have one client that started with a five-minute work beat. It became a 15-minute work beat, became a two-hour work beat. And then she said, I'm meant to do this. So it led to a career transition. So that two hours is now 40 hours in a week. So it it can start really small, but you're discovering that piece of yourself that's waiting to be found and that's extremely um liberating helps people live into their authenticity helps them let go of old old stories and create the new stories that they want to live for the rest of their life
0: i've got a question that's coming in from the community about the other maps that i've alluded to yeah project map and the clarity map uh the role clarity and the project clarity rather so uh, let's let's dive into one because I want to be respectful of time plus I want people to pick up this book <laughs> I want yeah, people to pick yeah. up the book and we haven't even gotten which we're going to get to uh, before we wrap up about email management because people that's a big pain point that's the thing I think that can keep a lot of people from you know again living those work beats the way that they should be and all the other stuff that comes in here because it's external demands but let's pick maybe let's talk about the roles clarity map because again I think it's fairly uh, it, it, I would say that it's probably something that doesn't get as much value as it should. Projects. I mean, we know there's a lot of people like uh, when you go through the projects area in here, you're probably going to get a greater sense of what to do, but roles, I don't think people get to the nitty gritty or, or, or deep enough with that. So can we touch on that?
1: Yeah, there's three, I would say there's three primary working horse maps in the book and that would be the doing to done map. Um, The second one is the project clarity map. And the third one is the role clarity map. So just a high level on each of those. So a project on your doing to done map, you have a doing statement and a done statement. And some of your projects need more thinking. So the project clarity map is a tool to help you understand why you're doing a project. What's the purpose of it? What's the vision of wild success? And if you're uh, co creating a project, and you can co create those first two statements, that will help save a lot of miscommunication down the road, and enable you to check in more effectively more efficiently and make sure all parties are on the same page. So the project clarity map helps you think through projects in a very methodical way something you can practice over and over again on projects of all types. So I'll just leave that one at that. The role clarity map uh, speaks to the hero of the story, which is you. So if you look at your life, you occupy a lot of different roles. So using me as an example, there's me as an individual. I'm taking care of my mind, body, and spirit. And that's something I call the anchor role in the book. We all have it. And it holds our purpose in life. And we have a vision for our life. And um, and then underneath that, underneath the role, the that's the why part. And then the how part is held in practices and projects. And then the what are we doing specifically is held in the action. So now we're back down to actions. So every role has that construct: a why, a why piece, a how piece, and a what am I specifically going to do. Now the the why section of a role animates the role with a story right it it enchants it with a story that you're living into and then everything below that is expressing animating how that story is going to be lived out now you have probably at least five to maybe ten or more roles in your life me as an individual me as a husband me as a father me as a writer me as a doing-to-done business owner me as a coach Um, me as an improver, me as an open water swimmer, you know, all those different roles have different practices and they have different projects and they have different actions. And when you have your role clarity map all filled out, it helps you answer the question, do I feel appropriately engaged with my life? Is one role occupying too much time and space over other roles? And is there suffering going on because of that? Or am I experiencing or expressing a new thing that I'm noticing about myself that I've always wanted to do, but I just haven't been able to name it, claim it and express it. The role clarity map can help you name it and say, what does the practice look like for that role? So you can start doing it and getting feedback loops going. So fundamentally, You are a hero made up of a lot of sub superheroes. And each of those different roles have different energies. And probably the best story I have about this is before the pandemic, when we used to drive to work and come home, right? And then walk through the door of your house, that was a symbol of me going from one realm to another. That was the portal. And then I would put, uh, I created a list for myself called before I Walk through the door. Understanding that I was moving from work role, work Mike, to husband, father Mike. And then I would park some reminders that my daughter had a presentation that day. My son had a test. My wife had a good day or bad day. So I I could go through the door with high fives or hugs or whatever was needed or a question for the dinner table. It made me dad ready, made me a better father, understanding that I had these different roles. So that's how roles can help. That's what that map does.
0: Uh, I'm going to follow up with a question that I'm sure someone who may, might be feeling like, okay, but that seems like a lot. Like it seems like a lot of work to do that stuff. The biases that show up, right. It's like, but, but can I just hit my to-do list? Like, why do I need to focus on project clarity and roles clarity specifically? Maybe the roles clarity, the project clarity, they may be like, oh, I get that. But the roles clarity, what the person that says, I don't have time for that. Or when am I going to find time for that? What do you say to them? Make it as simple as you
1: can. You know, you can either have no rules or one of the easiest things that I see is people identify here's my work life, here's my personal life. So you identify it as two. And that's your first map. And, and I always encourage a crappy first draft of everything. So, you know, in, in less formal situations, I call it a shitty first draft. So just get your shitty first draft out there. And then just know that this, this framework is there for you to build on. It's like the first Lego of the Lego board. Just put it down. And it's going to beg the second, third, fourth Lego over time when the time is right. There is no perfect answer for everybody. And doing to done is all about creating your trusted system. And then I'd like to append to that version one, version two, version three, version four, because as you grow, you know, whatever you need is going to grow and change, but the system can adapt to those situations. So it's a very kind system. It invites you in. It invites you to fall off the wagon. It invites you to come back. And be kind to yourself, because I've fallen off the wagon a bazillion times, and I do this stuff.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I hear you.
1: But then it's it's like, how long do I stay down? Is it is it just five minutes? Is it five days? Or is it five months? And each of those diff- different answers has different consequences.
0: Sure. So and, and, the, and, and the simpler the framework, the, the simpler it is to get back up and running again. Exactly. Edward uh, who's a member of Time Crafting First Premium has a question. He goes, how does individual introspection help clarify project leadership?
1: Depends on where the individual is in the 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 construct of the project. So um so number number 1 just take take the the construct of the project out of it. Introspection on a project helps you understand You know why does this project exist in my life what's the purpose of it what is my personal vision of wild success for this uh, project and my participation in it what ideas do i need to stir up to meet that purpose and vision how do i organize them and then what's the one next action review that plan to make sure it works and then what's the one next action that i need to take to work on that so from an individual perspective it really helps continue grounding you in in purpose and vision and organizing and ideation and separating those steps out and recognizing each one is a mini dojo to go to, to practice over and over. So, you know, um, projects are a great way to do that, to practice that discipline. In a work context, if you're a, a person who's delegating a project to somebody, the project clarity map helps you delegate clearly with agreed upon purpose and vision and standards. So the person receiving it, can you increase their probability of success? If you're being delegated to, and those fundamental components aren't being delivered to you, you can ask questions like what's, what's the purpose of the project? Oh, okay. Now, Mr. And Mrs. Manager, what's your vision of wild success when this is done? okay, I got it. Now I'm on the same page as you. Thank you so much. And that can increase your probability of success with the project. And you also have people witnessing you asking really interesting questions that you want to be clear so you don't waste their time, you don't waste your time, you don't waste the customer's time as you're pursuing these projects.
0: And it creates permission for questions to be asked. It
1: creates, it's a, you know, the question is the coach in this book. So everything we do is kind of framed around the quality of the question we ask in a particular moment. So Edward, thank you for your question.
0: I appreciate it. Speaking of questions, this is the last one I have for you. And it, 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 I'm not going to end this on a sour note because I don't think it it, it really is, but um, email management. Yeah. Uh, the, the sour note isn't so much like it's the thing that takes time. The sour note is, is that um, the framework you talk about, um, was pioneered by Tony Shea of Zappos who's no longer with us Yeah um, and but I when I discovered that email practice, it's one of the few I recommend that like, people because I do not recommend inbox zero I think inbox zero First off, you and I you and I both know that the term inbox zero is not what it <laughs> it has become. Yeah. We, we know that. Um, thank you Merlin Mann for creating the term and I'm sure that he I, I'm almost positive that he's like uh, what has it become? um can you explain yesterbox because uh, I think it's a very valuable way to approach email and communication I think as a whole so can you kind of walk through that for somebody who's listening to this or or a premium member who's watching this that's like I'm struggling with email help me out here
1: yes so um, Tony Shea who is the CEO of Zappos was was my boss and he he wrote a blog a long time ago called Yesterbox. And then I got to watch him work as Yesterbox in reality, which was phenomenal. And in in the book, one of the constructs that I encourage is how can we, when we have stuff coming at us, how can we create small batches that are finite, something we can work through and again, declare a win. So the Yesterbox basically differentiates 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 itself from the inbox in that you only process yesterday's emails. So uh, so it does a couple different things when I'm coaching people. A, it helps quantify the number of inputs that are coming in. We can actually assign a number to a yesterbox. It's 50. It's 250. It's 500. Sometimes you have 25 things come into your inbox, but it feels like 500. But it's really only 25. And then that creates a small batch. It's known, it's fixed. And when you get that thing to zero, it's not gonna pop one more back in and say, oh man, I was there for a second. So once you get your YesterBox to zero, it's for zero forever. And then there are a couple of tips on how you can efficiently move through your YesterBox, which is basically sort your YesterBox based on name, and you can delete the things that are obvious. You can move to reference the things that are obvious and what remains usually is something that needs your attention or action. So you take your 50 and maybe you're down to five or whatever your number is for that day, because it can change. But, um, but the, the principle is a small batch that you can work through to get to zero to help you win and feel free to depending on the volume you get you might have a yester week you might have a yester month (laughs) or if you're catching up
0: well you could also adapt it the other way where it's like let's say you've got a boss who is a little less um forgiving if you don't get back to them via email you could yesterbox everybody but them right like so there's an adaptability there as well because instead of having the inputs coming in from (laughs) everyone beyond today. It's like, okay, well, I only have to worry about the boss because the boss just doesn't get that he meant like they, they are somebody who requires email responsiveness. So you can yeah. play with it. It's not the, the, the framework is again, the framework fosters freedom. And that's another thing that you've done. I've said this before a framework, like I, frameworks foster freedom. You've got this in here. Um, Edward's got another question here, but, and this will be the last one before we wrap up. Um, mm-hmm. when and how does the individual role transition to the collective role?
1: there's um, three levels of coordination. So there's coordinating with yourself, you as an individual, there's coordinating with another person, so you in partnership with another person. So if you have a partner, you've probably already experienced this, two people trying to coordinate, and then there's coordinating with three or more people. So in the partnership, and in the three or more people, a group environment, this is where culture comes into play. So, culture—what is culture? Shared tool, shared language, shared tools, shared systems, shared stories equals culture. So, what doing to done helps with is create a language, and like you said, a framework that can be commonly known and work within, but not restrictive. So so different kinds of work and different kinds of personalities can work through it, but we have a standard language for saying, um, what's your next action? What does done look like? What? Okay, now that what's done looks like, what's the purpose of the project? What's the vision of the project? If you just have those four elements in your vocabulary, in a group environment and it's shared there's going to be a lift of clear clearer communication between individuals that helps them move work forward with less drag so so that's that's how it happens but there are three levels of coordination with yourself with partners and with groups
0: yeah. and it it doesn't happen overnight either that's the other thing too doesn't happen overnight Unless you um, take the workshop. then, then, <laughs> then um, <laughs> Which, let's get into that. So, Mike, <laughs> uh, the book's called Doing to Done, Productivity Made Simple. Yeah. um, Really great read. Thank you so much for not only putting this out there, but taking the time to join us today for the episode, as well as on the live stream well in advance for Time Crafting Trust premium members. Where can people pick up the book and then the workshop? T- touch on that. Yes.
1: Yeah, so you can pick up the book at doing doingtodone.com. That's- Doing with todone.com, and if you go to that website, you'll see there's a place for the book. There's a place for a free webinar where I bring you through the the first map, the Doing to Done map, and then um, there's workshops that are available for um, individuals, kind of like in a virtual public setting, as well as uh, business workshops and uh, another thing that's going to be up there soon if it's not already is one-on-one coaching or team coaching that i do as well and um and then we're also you know spreading this across the world through global partners so we have partners in different countries that are um, that are signing up to be uh, global partners and that's another avenue for folks if you're that kind of business or person.
0: Mike, thanks so much for taking the time today. have a conversation with me.
1: Great catching up with you. Good to see you. How's your daughter doing, by the way? I forgot that.
0: (laughs) She's doing really well. She's doing really well. Um, She's actually at the point now of, yeah, like she's going to be 18 in February. Sweet. Yeah. 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 She's, uh, she's making, she actually has, she actually asked for her first planner. Like for me, she's like, I think I needed to. And I'm like, Oh my. And I went through all, it was a, it was a whole thing. And my wife was like, Oh no. you've It's rough being
1: the, the son or daughter of a productivity person. Totally, totally. Or it can be. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Everybody watching the live stream. We're going to end it now. Thanks so much for, for joining us. It's always great to be able to chat with Mike. And this episode, of course, was live streamed to members of the Time Crafting Trust premium community. If you want to become part of that community, just go to the show notes. You can find them at productivityist.com slash podcast 450. You'll also find links to Mike's website where you can get the book and so much more, as well as, again, past episodes where he's appeared, as well as David Allen, who got quite a few mentions during this episode you want to support the show right you want to support me go from doing to done in that regard by hitting the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast right now and if you want to support the show in another way check out the sponsors that we spoke about today on the program go to productivities.com slash podcast sponsors check out what they have to offer that way they know that i sent you there that's it for this episode thanks so much for taking the time to join me today we're all done Until next time, I'm Mike Vardy, the host of A Productive Conversation, reminding you, stop doing productive and start being productive. See you later.